third John. We're going to read uh, verse 1 down to verse 8. The Bible says in verse 1, The elder, under the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Of course, we know that writing this is John, um, an elder apostle by now. Verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Verse 5, Beloved, thou doest faithfully. Whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of the charity before the church, whom, if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake thy, or they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such, that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. We started last week kind of looking at the introduction in in Third John here, and we talked about that John was writing this to to uh, Gaius. We kind of identified Gaius as likely a leader in a church that John had either recently or, or formally ministered or pastored. He would have known Gaius. He he um, he says, "I have no greater." joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Well, he's referring to the fact he very well may have been involved, John very well may have involved in Gaius's conversion to Christianity. He's saying there, I have no greater joy than to see those that I've invested in walking in truth. And we kind of saw something similar to that in 2 John when we talked about the beloved lady. But we see it again here in John's talking to this fellow leader in the church. And then we get down to verse 5 and kind of the sum or the basis for this letter. Verse 5 says, Beloved, thou doest faithfully. Whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to the strangers. Right here we kind of see that Gaius has helped Christian believers and strangers. He's saying, you know, you know, think back to the context from 2 John. John was talking to the elect lady saying, you know what, you are inviting these Christian, these ministers, these traveling ministers into your home, but they're not in the truth. So you, be careful with that. You shouldn't do that. Where with Gaius, he's saying, you're inviting people into your home and you're supporting these ministers, and they are in the truth, good job. Good job. You're showing that hospitality, that Christian hospitality that, that ex-Christians we should be all known for. We should be known for inviting people into our homes. Now let's put some context into the homes thing, because even I was, as I'm studying this, I'm thinking, okay, so, yeah, I should, you know, if, if the circumstance arises, I should be willing to invite people into my home for whether it be a traveling a missionary or a college student. I should be willing. 
You know, they don't, uh, we'll talk about this a little bit, but, you know, they're in the ministry. They don't, they have given their life to the service of God. And we as Christians should be willing to support that in any way we can. But I also want you to think about it in this way as we talk about inviting into our home or having hospitality. Remember, during this time, church was held in people's homes. Right? It was the home where everybody came to for service, to hear preaching, to have Bible study, to have readings. So when they say you invited them into your home, the context also is you invited them into the congregation, the family, the church. So while the application is there to say, yeah, we're going to invite them into our home, I have a spare room and, and somebody's in town, a college student, and there's a need and I can provide it, I should be willing to raise my hand and say, absolutely, let me assist. But the application is also there for if we have somebody that's traveling through town or is a missionary or a college student, and we have the ability through our church to provide assistance for that person. We should be willing to open our arms and our doors here at the church and provide assistance for that person as well. I believe both applications are, are consistent here as we, as we go through this. So yet there were some in the church, though, that did not like this idea. Think back to Second John. You know, the elect lady invited them in and she was taking some grief for doing this yeah she was inviting the wrong people but her heart was in the right place at least and she was taking some grief from the church even then and i think gaius likely also is taking grief for what he's doing and there's some that didn't like the idea of, of having these traveling ministers visiting and holding meetings in their church they were opposed to any kind of ministry or minister that came from uh, anywhere other than within the church itself. Now think about that for a second. That's, that makes sense. I see why they maybe had that thought. You know, um, and this is, I think, where with, uh, and I think Pastor would agree with me on this, fundamentalism. Um, you know, and I believe in, in the... Um, the basis of fundamentalist conservative teaching and preaching, you know, believing the Bible for what it says, being literal interpreters of the Bible, and, and just, if the Bible says it, that's the way it meant, not taking an allegorical approach to everything. Yet, we and we have that, that doctrine of separation that kind of keeps us sometimes within ourselves. I think it's a good thing to have that doctrine of separation. I think it's a wise doctrine. We should not be like the world. I don't think anybody would argue. Now, I know some churches here in town that might argue that point. Well, if you're not like the world, then you can't reach the world. Well, I disagree with you. I really disagree with you, and I've told this example, but my cousin in South Carolina, I love him dearly, and he's got a church out there that he helps preach at, but it's a struggling church. Uh, the church, the building itself has been there for hundreds of years, 
It's right in downtown Hartsville, South Carolina. It's been on the same street corner, but they're struggling with membership. And when I talked to him about it, he says, well, we're trying to find the right combination. And I was like, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, do we, are we more charismatic? Are we more conservative? Are we more this or are we more that? And I didn't say it because I, you know, I, I didn't want to, I wanted to be kind, but my, what I thought was, how about just preach? How about just teach? Open up God's Word and just teach from it. And just preach. Preach from it. Says what, stand up there and preach from the Bible. And let the Holy Spirit work on everybody else to bring them in. Instead, you're trying to manipulate and try to be like what other churches are doing to get more people in. That's your goal. They're trying to be like the world to bring them in when I'm like, no, just preach and teach. No, we need, in fundamentalism, we're kind of careful about who we bring in to teach. We're careful about who we bring in to preach. I've been here long enough to see some teachers have been asked not to teach anymore because they've, they have a, a over the course of time, a, a, a something would come out in the teachings that uh, was inconsistent with what we believe and they don't, they don't, they're, they're not allowed to teach anymore. We're careful about that. Um, we've had minis- uh, missionaries come through that have said this or that and then, okay, they don't come back. Um, we're careful about that and we should be, but that doesn't mean because one person's messed up that we should go, you know what, we had that one bad that one incident where so-and-so came through and said this and this, so you know, just to be safe, we're not going to allow anybody ever again. Well, that's not right either, is it? No. So you got to find this kind of, I think you lean toward hospitality. You lean toward welcoming people and do some things on the front end to kind of make sure their doctrine's right and check people out, but we lean toward hospitality. So it, when, when uh, the notes say that there were those that opposed this hospitality type of thought, okay, I can't, yeah, I see how that could happen. I really do. And remember, during this time, these Christians are being sought out. How do we know that this person coming in isn't you know, somebody that's going to tell of our church and then we're going to have Roman soldiers come in and raid us and kill us? Or, so, or Pharisees or... Or how do we know we can trust these people? So you have that aspect of it too. They saw no use for these ministries. Their thought was, if we do what we can at the church and our members are sharing the gospel, then that's what we'll do. We don't need other people to do it. Well, that's a pretty, I mean, I get the world's a lot bigger nowadays, but even then it was, it was big in their context. And they're not going to reach all corners of the globe. What would what, Christ say in his Great Commission, right? Go to all the world. And we need ministry uh, missionaries and we need evangelists to be able to do that. They felt that believers could learn all they need to know from their own ministers and from others in church ministries. Well, I mean, that's a safe bet, generally. 
if you're looking to stay firm and consistent with your beliefs, yeah, if you stay within your own world, you'll get similar stuff. But I got to tell you, sometimes when we have a missionary come in, I, I get an aspect of something that I never even thought about uh, when they preach about their, their uh, mission field in Russia or their mission field somewhere else. I mean, you really get a, an aspect of, of the gospel that you, don't, you hadn't considered. So I think, you know, having folks come in is, is, shouldn't be a negative thing. They thought they didn't even need help in reaching out to the lost and that they could carry out the mission of Christ without any help from traveling missionaries. You know, pretty short-sighted, self-focused thought process, right? Yet, in regard to Gaius, in the midst of this, remember, the church thought these things, but he's a leader of the church, and his thought was no, no. Um, we need to show hospitality. And, and I, as a leader in the church, am going to do it as an example and, and hope that, um, you know, sometimes, and I've struggled with this over the years, um, as opposed to getting on to everybody and telling them to quit doing it the way they're doing it and start doing it the way that, whether through ministry or otherwise you think they need to do it, sometimes it's better just to be the example and let God work in their heart and make that change. I think that's what Gaius is doing here. You know, he's not trying to bang them over the head and say, you guys are all, you guys are wrong. We need to do it this way. He's just setting the example. And John is, is uh, giving him congratulations for that. And here's three things to point out regarding Gaius here. He was doing all he could to help the traveling ministers. All he could. He was opening his home and supporting them, so much so that he had a strong testimony in the ministry of hospitality. What's, what's John say? He says, you know, um, I have no greater th- uh, joy of, than those walking in truth. Verse 3, For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee. His manners was being spoken of as people traveled. Hey, we got this guy in our church, guys. Man, I tell you, he's, he's a good soul. He's a good soul. Let me tell you what he's doing. And it got back to John. And then John hears this and he goes, I don't guys. Good deal. You know, I'm, you know, I pray for him often. It's good to hear that he's doing what he's doing. It's getting around, right? His testimony gets around. Uh, note that even opening his home to strangers in order to reach and grow them in Christ. Uh, he's, he's, if somebody comes in with a need, he's willing to help serve it. He's willing to help serve it. And then verse 6. Which have borne witness of this chair of thy charity before the church, the testimony of your charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. The second point here is that Gaius is to continue to receive and support the traveling ministries. Why? Because Gaius is told that this is a godly thing to do. Jesus ever turn anybody away? I mean, you know, from a leper to a to a, 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 an adulteress, to anybody. He, he was always willing to show hospitality and love to folks. 
If it is, but if it's a godly thing to do, carry. Uh, think about this form of logic here. If it's, if we're saying it's a godly thing to do, then that is what God would do, right? So if it is what God would do, then Gaius, as a leader in the church, should follow God and be a godly example. Traveling ministers should be received and supported as they go forth for Christ. They've been commanded by faith to do this without receiving a regular income. Have you really thought about that with some of these folks? I mean, it is it's amazing to me. I mean, you talk about uh, living by faith, and I, you know, where's your uh, next month's uh, support coming from? I, I don't know but God's going to provide it. Um, they go around, um, you know, when they start deputation, they have sold everything they own except a vehicle. And they go around and give their burden of the work that they want to do to other churches, and they ask for those churches to support them. And then we support them for $20, $25, $30, dollars $100 a month and other churches do the same, and that's their support. And if churches don't say yes to support them, where's that support coming from? I, it just it's. Uh, and if they don't get it, can they go do? Can the they do the work that God it, that God has told them to do by faith? And if they don't do the work, then there's souls that go to hell. Uh, then there, okay. Then there are souls. Yeah, there I see are, what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Th those who have not been reached. Yeah, then. yeah. So, you know, we should. Uh, I and I've been to some of the meetings where we've had missionaries come in, and we, as a leadership team, were like, "Man, that was that was pretty that was pretty impactful." How about we uh, bring them on? Can we support them? And I've been to some that they're like, yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great idea. Kind of waiting to see if, if God was working in people's hearts to mention that. And you guys have mentioned it. Let's bring them on. And we vote for how much. And I've also been in some where we've said that and the conversation was, this isn't a good time. Financially, our, our missions giving is down. And, and um, you know, let's pray about it a little bit further and, and see where we go. Um, so, you know, keep that in mind. I was uh, hearing um, one church's mi uh, missions ministry, uh, the giving was well over $30,000 a month in the missions ministry. And I said, amen, right? <laughs> but that church is uh, something has... Uh, the Holy Spirit's worked in those people's hearts, and they have a they have a, 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 a they they want to contribute to that ministry. I'll tell you, ours is maybe a third of that. Um, and I know it's in Pastor's heart, and I believe um, down the road as we pay off the building, that we put more of an emphasis on our on our missions. And I know. Uh, in our uh, for Cindy and I, we've increased a little bit in our in our missions giving this year, uh, because we like I said we can't reach 
everywhere we need to reach. It's just physically impossible. But um, the others can. And we can support them, you know, for 25 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month. I mean, honestly, that's about the area where we give to a lot of our missionaries. And we support a bunch of them. And more the merrier. More the merrier. And, and there's souls being saved and seeds being planted that you, can only, you just can't even imagine. When you get to heaven, what's, what we're going to find out the impact that Central Baptist Church had on a global scale. I just, Ken and I were talking, even with our Sunday school class, some people were mentioning, you know, I put the class recordings on a podcast. 22,000 people worldwide, 90 countries. I mean, there's seeds being planted just from this class that we have no idea about. It's... It, when you, if you stop and meditate on it and pray about it, it's kind of it's cool, it's neat to see, and with very little investment for us, except that, you know, we take the time to, to do that here and 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 put it up. And then we see another thing on guys traveling ministers should be received and supported because we need to follow workers in the truth. They are workers for Christ's sake, and we need to be doing the same thing and supporting them. Remember, this is a whole different topic from John 2, from 2 John, where, where John was saying, don't support these people who aren't in the truth. Now, we're in 3 John, where he's saying, we need to be supporting people that are in the truth. The support we give to Heartland Baptist Bible College. My goodness, you talk about some, some work being done down there. Uh, putting out new ministers and new music ministers and missionaries every Every semester they're putting more people out. I love getting online and watching some of the some of the preaching um, graduation services and stuff from down there and really hearing what's going on at Heartland Baptist Bible College. Yeah, it's amazing. And that we have the opportunities to support that kind of institution. It's just phenomenal. And we should be doing it. Henry Ironside said it this way. What a side light this puts on the conditions in the early church. As the itinerary evangelists and teachers went about, they were graciously entertained by such as Gaius and helped on their way. They did not look to the world for sustenance. The rec they recognized the fact that the Lord's work should be supported by the Lord's people. Thus... They were happily independent of the heathen to whom they ministered, and so had a rightful claim upon the sympathetic help of fellow believers. Did you catch kind of that? Look at verse 7. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We're doing God's work. God's people ought to be the ones to support them. That should be where their support comes from. Um, you know, they shouldn't have to get part-time jobs and work in the secular world to do the work that they've been called by faith to do. There should be more than enough. They should, be, they should have an abundance of support. 
I mean, just a church our size alone, um, we could we could do so much more, right? And, and really give these folks not just enough to get by, but an abundance. And if um, if they while they're on their work and they have time, I, I've heard these things, folks, in, in 10 years of being here in, in leadership. I've heard some comments. Well, we, we send them to so-and-so, and then all I do is see pictures of them on trips with the family. Are we paying for that too? Oh, probably. Should they not have time with their family? I mean, let's, you know, be careful. Be careful, right? Um, they, should, they should have an abundance. They could not only be able to reach Christ, but do the things that we do. Do we not take trips? Do we not go to the restaurant on an evening? Do we not get away for a weekend with the family? Should they not? Just because that we support them? No. I mean, your heart's in the wrong place. They deserve God's blessing. Yes, and if we can be that blessing... And we can. Amen. I mean, you're thinking in the wrong area if, if you're going down those, those lanes. And I've heard it. I've heard it. And, you know, I just I pray that we don't get to that point that we're, we treat our missionaries like they're, I don't know, employees or something. <laughs> they're, they're doing God's work. And we've been called to support them how that's done and, and and that support is a lifetime of support they're there for 10 20 30 40 sometimes multiple generations so they gotta do things as a family yeah it just it's i hate it breaks my heart when i've heard that kind of stuff it really does it really does but we should be supporting them. They shouldn't have to, to get help from the Gentiles or from the lost world. We should be the ones supporting them. So opening our homes to strangers, college students who are away from, single, uh, or away from home, single parents with children who have a need, uh, the homeless, the needy, the hungry, foreigners, anybody who has a need, even a, they might be missionaries and they might just be unsaved people that need help we should have a sense of hospitality and willing to if somebody if a need is brought before you that you're willing to serve it now there may not be we can't drive down the street and help every need we see we just can't do it right but there are times when something is thrown right at you I know I've been there I've been there where a need is thrown right at me and I'm sitting there and I can feel the Holy Spirit telling me, meet it. Meet it. And have you acted upon that? Have you done it? Just as a, you're known as a Christian, I hope, and a need thrown at you, and if you serve that need, guess what? these are people that down the road you're going to be able to reach for Christ. You're going to be able to reach for Christ. It opens doors. I was in the Air Force for a short time. Yeah, a few minutes and then we'll go. I was in the Air Force in uh, 1992. 
I left Ponca on October uh, 19th, 1992. I went to San Antonio, Texas, Lackland Air Force Base. Anybody that was in the Air Force, that's where you went for basic training. Well, I was in there. We didn't graduate till December, so we were in there for Thanksgiving. But they did something pretty neat, the families in San Antonio did. And you put your name on a list at some point. I don't remember doing this, but we did. And and then uh, one day they, call, they called us all in, in a group, and they said, okay, Thursday for Thanksgiving, you be in your dress blues, and we're all going to meet at this location. And there's families from San Antonio that are just going to come up here and take one of you to their home for Thanksgiving. Now, my first thought was, well, that's kind of weird. It is. I don't know these people. And my second thought was, food. <laughs> I can get off this base for a little bit, right? I mean, and you know what? That was the neatest day. I, had, I got picked up by this family. Uh, they were probably in their 40s, 50s, had some older kids. And they took me to their home. And they're like, so what do you like doing on Thanksgiving? And, of course, in the middle of basic trading, you're standing here like this. <laughs> Nothing, ma'am. You know, and they're like, no, relax. I, you know, I like, I'm a Lions fan. I'm a Detroit Lions fan. Yeah, I like, we'll turn on the game. I got to sit there and watch the game. And I'm sure the Lions lost. They always do. But I got to sit there and watch the game and eat a turkey dinner. And they, it made me feel like it was part of their family. I, to this day, I don't know their name. I, can't, I couldn't tell you their names. But what a blessing. They were willing to take... They said, you know what we're going to do as a family today? Let's go pick somebody up that doesn't have his family here. Let's go get a military guy. A stranger. <laughs> yeah. Somebody we don't know. You know, that can be... That can be no, let's be honest. That can be awkward, right? It was awkward. It's outside. It's outside. Oh, it was weird for me. Yeah, but I enjoyed it, and it was so nice of them. And they, it wasn't weird once I got there. It was just like you were part of the family. They had that sense of hospitality. And I don't know if they were Christians or not. I suspect they maybe were. Because that, that's a, that is a, a trait that Christians should have. Now, that doesn't mean they're Christian, but it, it does at least maybe point you that direction. How much more impact would you be doing for somebody who is in the missionary or in the field and they're serving God and they're doing it by faith? Your church supports them and then they're here and for a weekend. You're like, hey, let me take you out to dinner one night. Oh, you don't have to. You know, oh, no, I want to. And you do that. Or you say, you know what, hey, let me babysit your kids tonight and you and your wife go out. Remember when we had young kids and folks would do that for us? And these folks are living in who knows where. I mean, they probably don't do that much. So, you know, I think we're seeing an example in 3 John here of Gaius. And we'll, we'll continue next week and talk about uh, Diotrephes. and see a little bit of a different character than Gaius is. But I wanted to take a moment to just point out the traits that Gaius brought in that sense of hospitality and really maybe even convict us that I think there's more each of us, including me, can do to be a uh, blessing to those that, that need our hospitality. So, all right.
Can you release us in uh, prayer, and then we'll go down for services. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this day. What a blessing it is every Sunday to be in your house with fellow believers.